to Doxed, the podcast. Welcome to Burning Man, the annual gathering in Nevada's Black Rock Desert that has captivated the imagination of millions around the globe. While many see it as a vibrant celebration of art, self-expression, and communal living, there's a growing contingent of critics who can't help but draw comparisons between this remarkable event and some of the behaviors associated with cults and other toxic parasocial communities. Burning Man, at first glance, may appear to be an otherworldly carnival of creativity. It acts as a temporary city that draws tens of thousands of participants each year, all united by a shared commitment to the event's ten core principles. At its center is the iconic burning of a massive wooden effigy, a ritualistic spectacle that signals both the climax and conclusion of the event. Yet, as the festival has grown in size and prominence, so too have the concerns about its cultural impact and safety. In today's episode, we peel back the layers of this unique subculture to understand whether the festival is simply an extraordinary celebration of radical self-expression, or if there may be more to the story. So Burning Man is an annual event that takes place in the Black Rock Desert, and it was founded in 1986 by Larry Harvey, among other people who I watched some interviews of. He's an interesting man, and uh, it has grown a lot. And then there was this most recent thing this year that seems like put a lot of people in danger. (laughs) But I was excited to talk about this when you mentioned that in some ways it kind of behaves like a cult. And so I'm interested in talking about that. Cause I think sometimes, I think in some ways it appears on the surface like one and isn't really. And then in other ways it kind of might be one. So I'm interested if you know stuff I don't. Yeah. Um, I don't think I know anything you don't, but I do kind of want to go over a little bit more of the background. So yeah, it was started in 1986 by Larry Harvey and one other person I believe there might have been a group but Larry Harvey and Jerry James and it seemed to have been started as a way to build community within the certain group of people it was like um sort of about art and self-expression and community and these these principles of like radical self-reliance and those principles of kind of been the foundation of the Burning Man Festival since the beginning. It's something that's been carried through even through today. But it was a pretty small gathering at first, like a beach party, an annual beach party, where they burn this big wooden effigy of a of a man. And that sort of would like close the event. Then in the 90s, it became so big that it started to become like a public safety issue so they moved it to black rock desert which turns into black rock city whenever burning man is there it becomes it's huge like the most recent burning man festival i mean i think it was like in the the eighty thousands in terms of like people that have showed up so it, it turns into a huge city for a couple of days and it, it it's something that's been going on for so long, but doesn't really, it's not really marketed to the public. I only started hearing about Burning Man myself like 10 years ago. 
because I had met a couple of burners, people that are like hardcore Burning Man goers or they identify as burners. And they usually have a burner name, which is like a nickname that's used during Burning Man events. Not just the main Burning Man event, but there's usually smaller local events throughout the year that lead up to the main event which is huge and expensive and there's a lot of moving parts to get there the tickets are crazy uh tickets sell out within a day or two of them going live on the website and again it's not something that's like marketed to the public there's so many music festivals festivals and art festivals that you hear about but burning man is not one that seems really mainstream but it started to get more and more mainstream recognition like in the 2010s probably covid had a really big impact on the festival and i think it was canceled for the first time like the in-person event was canceled for the first time in 2020 but they tried to make do with like some virtual events i think a lot of like long time festivals had to do that during that time because that would have been a nightmare if they were to like have 80,000 people in the desert at the height of COVID that would have been yeah absolutely terrible um and yeah and this year Burning Man just ended I think last week Mm -hmm. and it seemed to be like a, a pretty big disaster because of where it's located and what the weather was like during this time yeah so black the Black Rock Desert is already a pretty harsh environment smack in the middle of summer. Like it's very, like the visuals of Burning Man, they look a lot like the movie Mad Max. It's very much like it's dusty, it's hot, it's flat as far as the eye can see. There's no running water. You're camping in a really harsh environment. And the people that go- They all wear crazy costumes. They wear crazy costumes. And the whole like radical self-reliance thing and the 10 principles seem really positive on its face, right? Except they like, kind of contradict. They're, they, I, I want to talk about those 10 principles because they're very interesting. Let me see. I have them written out in my notes. Okay, so the 10 principles from what I could find are number one is radical inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so they encourage like, everyone to participate no matter what their background is age race gender whatever it's supposed to be like a a very welcoming environment um the second one is gifting you're encouraged to give freely without expecting anything back which is supposed to foster a culture of like sharing and reciprocity and and generosity and from what I understand, there's like there's no money exchange. There's no like selling that happens at Burning Man. So there's that's the third principle, which is decommodification. So there's no there's like no or at least very minimal commercial transactions that happen there. Um, the fourth one is radical self reliance. So you're expected to be responsible for your own well-being and be prepared and be personal personally accountable for your stuff and your safety and surviving in that environment while you're there. 
Uh, the fifth one is radical self-expression, which, you know, the crazy outfits or just walking around naked the whole time. It's it's a thing. You're encouraged to be free and be creative. And that's through artistic expression and costumes or art installations, which get really elaborate and really cool. Like all the art installations that happen at Burning Man look really awesome. There's a lot of performances and stuff. So that's cool. Uh, the sixth principle is communal effort. Um, they encourage collaboration and cooperation. And people that go are encouraged to work together to create this communal experience with everyone there. And that that includes like helping the artists construct their installation, um, helping people with their camps in terms of like feeding people, handing out food, organizing people to get access to running water, whatever it is you're you're supposed to help your fellow man while you're there. Uh, the seventh one is civic responsibility. Um, they encourage you and expect you to to take an active role in the community's well-being. So respecting each other, following the event guidelines, um, and also participating in the cleanup effort, which you can imagine with tens of thousands of people there packing in everything that they'll need for that week. The cleanup effort is probably insane. Which goes to the next principle, which is leave no trace. So from what I understand, there's not even a gum wrapper left in Black Rock City when Burning Man is over. Everything that you pack in, you pack it back out. Um, number nine is participation. So you're encouraged to be active and not be like a passive spectator while you're there. Um, the whole, the city, the city, the Black Rock City kind of only functions if everyone there is like an active contributor, contributor and is involved in creating art, creating activities and creating experiences and participating in the camps. And then the last one is immediacy, which is like, just kind of encourage you to be present, be in the present moment and experience life directly rather than through like technology or, or being on your phone or being distracted. They kind of want you to be present and be there, which is funny because there's like this whole drug culture there where like you're not actually there. Like I think it's exactly. funny that one of the principles is like being present when like the whole thing is like they really glamorize being fucked up the whole time. So I don't know. Well, yeah. And that kind of that ever presence of drugs is something that I think is commonly hard to see when you're in it as a red flag of a community that has some unhealthiness in it. And mm -hmm. I think it's not always wrong to do drugs. I think they can be, <laughs> that's my official stance, 2023. It's not always wrong to do drugs. They can be- <laughs> uh really life-changing in positive ways just as much as in negative ways but when you're dealing with more like a community that mm -hmm. centers that centers drugs and drug use in my experience even when that seems like it's all for fun it indicates that there is some level of escapism and it indicates some deeper issues of toxicity in the community mm-hmm usually that's my experience so and I also think when it when it comes to like 
uh, talking about what does this community resemble a cult? One of the things that jumps out to me is that uh, it's easier to control people's behavior and minds when they are not sober. Right. But also, as much as Burning Man on its face kind of resembles a cult, if that's what you're. Yeah, like, it's also kind of not. Like, I if think you're. Yeah, go ahead. If you're seeking to find a cult in Burning Man culture, if you're trying to look at it through that lens, you'll see that. You'll definitely, like, it has the makings of a cult-like type of thing. But what makes it unique is that it doesn't have a leader. There is not one authoritarian person like telling people what to do trying to control people there isn't a person doing that it feels to me like that jumped out at me from an article i read too somebody pointed that out and was like it's not just larry harvey it's also this guy jerry james and so that hasn't met the first pillar of cults but i still think that these people are kind of iconic figureheads anyway like i watched again larry harvey talking and he doesn't strike me as like a horrifying narcissist. And usually like when you're when you're really hardcore starting a cult, you're usually like a narcissistic person up at the top intentionally trying to manipulate people when it's one of these like very dangerous, you know, but also that's not even quite what I mean, because there's there's this other kind of level of cult, I think, which is more like a cult of uh, more like a cult uh, that a cult of influence, I want to say. Like not so much a cult of personality, but like a cult of parasocial relationship. And I guess it's not, I guess you're right. There's not really like a, that kind of connection beyond just whatever talks you can find of people. But I think there's a proxy, which is the burning man effigy. So there's this like on the central axis of the city so that you can see it as a, as a, like an iconic locator point, uh, to understand where you are even is this giant statue of this man right Mm -hmm. and i think that it goes back to the whole the whole structure and the whole ideas about radical inclusion uh radical self-reliance radical self-expression those things read to me as like pretty libertarian and Mm -hmm it makes me think of white men <laughs> and not all libertarians are white men, but it's just, there's this kind of idea that like to be really free, you must be allowed to do whatever you feel like you want to do. And it kind of goes in, it kind of goes against what I think is like the path forward to real freedom actually, because it isolates you to do that. And I just think that's very tied into the identity of white maleness and I, so I think that anytime when you start any kind of community and you are a white man and you don't think about your identity as a white man as part of what you're kind of taking into account in setting up the community dynamics, mm-hmm. then in a, in some way, doesn't it kind of become a cult? Like there, it's not authoritarian in this like totalistic sense, but it's like about a man it's like a and also i i think that there was this there is a sense of grandiosity and almost getting getting bigger than humanity that i kind of heard in 
Larry's talk that I watched because he talks about, um, he describes being a student of anthropology and architecture. And particularly, he says he's really interested in Neolithic architecture because he likes that nobody knows what all the symbols mean. So there's these ancient temples and you go back to them and you don't even know like what the religion was. It's just so grandiose. It's almost like beyond the context of humanity. It's just sort of something that's like bigger than life. And um, obviously he was trying to do something with this burning man too. Like, like uh, it wants to feel like it's objectively art and objectively radical or something is my sense. Mm. And that's just, and that's just sort of a casualty of because the community got set up by white guys and also yeah. like wealth plays in like the art is crazy cool. The art costs a lot of money to make. I bet right. um, <laughs> the artists that get to go to Burning Man and showcase their art are people that have had a long time of being financially supported in their art. So like, I mean, I mean, just like at the basic level, the cost of lumber is insane. Yeah. Yeah. I put a fence in my backyard last year and I can attest it was wildly out of control. The cost of like lumber never used to be as expensive as it is right now. And the, the structures that they build out there, they're spending so much money just to burn it the fuck down, by the way. Oh yeah. It's not cheap. This isn't some little grassroots hillbilly thing. Like this is big, big money. It's big money. And you made a really good point just to burn it down because it's like a statement about the ephemeralness of art and the, and the immediate, like the lack of permanency. And that's cool, but it's also like this abstract and aesthetic kind of an art. And that kind of art, first of all, exists among higher class patrons and it's all about catering to them. So Mm -hmm. the art is not saying something about the real struggles of people always. It's mostly like focus on things that those people would be interested in. And that you, I think you can see that in the, and and it's cool. It's really cool to see, you know, you can make something look great when you have a lot of money, but um, uh, absolutely some weird, like classist things. And then also I, I can only imagine issues of of disability because they're talking about radical inclusion and I know that they do have like wheelchair accessible stalls and but they're in a desert which just presents like inherent problems of access a lot of them and then not to mention when some disaster happens and how do you you know how do you figure things out so people have a fair shot of being safe yeah so yeah so I think I think it leads to hubris basically when and and I think it's like it doesn't have to be like a cult. Like you can see how it, cause he talks about ritual too in that talk. And it's like, to me talking about ritual and setting things up ritualistically is not cult-like it's human. So that's mm-hmm. an example where you might look at it and think like, Oh, cult, but I don't think it's unhealthy to talk about, to have a ritualistic experience. Um, right. But I do kind of think that anytime a white dude is in charge, <laughs> is in charge of a group, a community set up, it just kind of leads to hubris when none of that is dealt with. And I think see how much it's not dealt with by the absence of any kind of talking about race, for example, or anything like that in the rules and anything I've seen so far about it. Right. There's not, from what I can find, and I could be wrong, if you're a burner, feel free to correct us both if we've gotten it wrong. But I've seen nothing in the rules or guidelines that have come up about cultural appropriation, Mm -hmm. 
like it's all radical inclusivity radical inclusivity but like there's no conversation about intersectionality there's no conversation about respecting people's cultures cultural ap appreciation versus appropriation appropriation with all these like indian headdresses yes yeah and like bindis and stuff like what i mm. or wearing the or culturally appropriating all these different types of dress and headdress and and also doing that while like semi-nude like which can be really disrespectful to certain cultures it's like pouring salt in the wound if you're wearing like a native american headdress and also like a thong and your tits out like well, yeah it's mm. exoticization you're sexualizing somebody else's culture chris i mean yeah. and it happens all the time but yeah <laughs> but that's what it but it's very much like a, it's like a central theme of burning man is like this exoticization and appropriation yeah because it's very white centric and it's very high class centric you know like I would, I can, I've never, I, I've known about Burning Man probably most of my adult life. And I've thought about, wouldn't it be cool to go? No way could I afford to go. And I'm not like, you know, I'm fine. I, no way can I afford to go to Burning Man. You kidding me? I've Anybody been invited not? to go to oh, Burning yeah. Man with a friend of mine who has, I don't know if she still does it, but she usually has her own camp there with a couple of friends and I was I'd been invited I'm just like oh it just looks hot and dusty you know thank oh. you <laughs> well, you'd have to definitely glamp like you'd have to figure out maybe some people wouldn't but I but yeah if you were gonna go you'd have to really plan and get everything you needed and make sure you had it all and it also kind of seemed like there would be zero black people there and I'm very mm -hmm. very like mm, side eye of any giant event with tens of thousands of people mm -hmm. and like no black people I, I probably don't belong there not to pull the race car but if I don't see a lot of people that look like me I'm not really trying to go no it's 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 a vibe and also <laughs> it's again like it's contradictory with these principles because there's like radical self-reliance but also civic responsibility so those kind of pull you in two different direct like radical inclusion so those pull you in different directions Right. It, it I wonder like if the radical self-reliance is more like a put your oxygen mask on first before helping others, you know, like make sure you've got yourself together before you get everybody, you pull everybody down into the, into the pit, like make sure you're good first, you know? To me, it's kind of, it seems like it's saying, uh, like, make sure that if you go you are not like like it even seems a little bit ableist because it's kind of like if you go you'd better have everything you need and oh, like don't not be a burden be like, yeah you'd better not be like too much of a burden to other people is what radical kind of self-reliance kind of sounds like to me like make your own camp make sure and like you want to you get things for free but it's like take what you can it feels like it's saying take the same amount as others, you know, and don't take too much because you didn't prepare well enough or something, or you weren't. Yeah, you get stuff for free, but you end up dropping like six grand to even be there. Well, exactly, exactly. So it's kind of just like an aesthetic choice to do stuff for free, again, yeah. and that's the separation. Like art, you can tell such a difference in the class of art because of whether the art is focused on aesthetic or whether it's focused on function. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And to me, oh, art that's focused on function is much more important. Yeah, I agree with that.
It also seems like, for me personally, Burning Man on a good day. Not the muddy mess it's been the last this last go-round, but Burning Man on a good day seems like a sensory nightmare. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it would be miserable. Just the thought of being covered in itchy alkaline dust in my eyes, in my nose, in my ass crack, and like <laughs> it's inescapable dust. I can just imagine looking down at my hands and just seeing body horror under my fingernails that it like I can't clean. And then you have to rinse yourself off in vinegar so that the alkaline dust like what? doesn't through your skin. Yeah. Oh. The playa, the lake bed is like all these different minerals that aren't good for your skin but there is no avoiding it it gets everywhere you breathe it in you taste it and the only way to neutralize it is by literally rinsing off in vinegar so it's bo it's dust it's barely any running water and then when you do find running water it's vinegar water like so gross this also makes me think of something else that I was talking about on TikTok last year, which is called, it's called The Line. It's a city that's under construction in Saudi Arabia. And it's the city that was designed in a line. So it's like a one straight long wall. And then it's kind of supposed to be like walkable with little like areas where you have residential and different things that you need there. But there's also like, it's like a big wall. So then you go underground for like the service levels of things. And it's all like super well, super duper billion trillion funded by this like Saudi, you know, regal king or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, wait, who did? What's the name of the guy? I shouldn't just. <laughs> I don't know what kind of royalty they have in Saudi Arabia. Um, it's designed to have no carbon emissions, so that's kind of cool. But um, what's the name of the guy? Oh, Mohammed bin Salman. That's the name of the guy that founded it. Um, And so anyway, the thing that I, that was so fascinating to me about this idea of a line city. And then it, and then it's the same kind of idea with Burning Man is like, you're taking, you're going into an environment and you're not working with the environment to get to like sustain you. You're not like working in hand, hand in hand with it. You're trying to fight it. Why would you make a city in a straight, line like there's so like cities kind of radiate outward as they grow so that causes so many problems immediately plus there's class issues with like all the service people are underground now like so who's thinking about that and also it wasn't like um there's definitely a lot of ai that's built into that city so it's meant to minimize like the people but underground but like just a weird like there's a lot of clear immediately clear problems that rise up because you're fighting the earth that's my point. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with Burning Man, it sounds like. They do make like an interesting kind of radiating shape of the city that's constructed, but the place that they decide to put it, and then it's like, why? And then why not make choices that kind of work with that environment? Because right. it's because you're a white dude <laughs> that wanted to do something aesthetically and didn't actually like, you know? Yeah. And it's a place where if there's any rain, which in that area, it doesn't just drizzle. If it rains, it pours. If it rains, it's a flash flood. Yeah. And then what do you do? Like, it became a a national disaster at Burning Man 2023 because it rained so much and for so long that the playa, the lake bed, 
turned into this like slimy, slick, sticky quicksand pit that you couldn't drive through, you couldn't ride a bike through, and you were encouraged not even to walk through. They directed everyone to shelter in place. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. And I mean, it's a it's a makeshift city. It's it's a tent city. How do you not walk? Like you have to go from camp to camp to eat, to shower, to relieve yourself, to anything. So it's okay to shelter in place if you were like a rich nepo baby that came with the six-figure RV. Yeah. But if you came with a tent and a dream, like what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Or a wheelchair right what are you going to do or you're getting attacked by somebody because <laughs> nobody yeah. can be trusted <laughs> i don't right. know it means so much for the principles because mm-hmm. i saw a couple of tiktok videos and a lot of burners are saying oh social media is making it worse than it seems but mm, you can't really record something that's not happening but i saw a couple of tiktok videos where like people are trying desperately to get out of there by driving away, which you were encouraged not to do because your car's gonna get stuck. And people were like jumping through people's car windows to try to stop them from driving away. God. But like what happened to radical self-reliance? They're yeah. relying on themselves and their vehicle to get out of there and you're trying to stop them. Why? Well, and then if they get stuck, does anybody go help them because of radical self-reliance? It's just, it's radical self-reliance, I guess, works if there's zero issues. But when there is an issue, I don't understand what's supposed to happen. I, it just seems very nebulous, too, and almost like double-speaky in the way that I've, I, and it, I have a very limited, like, I have not really interacted with this community at all. So, like, I would be, I would love to be corrected if people who experience it have other things to say or just, like, to know more. But, uh it seems like also the word radical is just so nebulous. Like, what does that mean to you? Radical. What is radical? What Spending do you mean? $6,000 to pretend to be homeless in the deserts. Pretty yeah, is radical. That radical? Is that, or is that not at all radical? And then that goes against like, I mean, they do have like an anti-capitalism one, but like, or like an anti-commerce, but it's again, it's just kind of like canceled out at other times with the other rules. So what is radical? I mean, I understand that people like to have, I think that there's like a catharsis element. Like you go and you kind of just let yourself feel unconstrained by societal expectations. And so I think depending where you're at in your life journey, maybe that's a radical thing. And catharsis can be also healing. I know that like body trauma can be, or like trauma is is stored in the body and it can be healing to move around in unconstricted ways 
or Mm -hmm. even to, you know, dress or make sounds in unconstricted ways or whatever. Uh, So, okay. But there's kind of, that's kind of just like a basic level of like, yeah, do some healing work, you know? (laughs) Do we need to drive way the hell out to the desert away from every, kind of also reminds me of like, like not in the proselytizing way, but like missions trips where it's like, why are you going to a different country to try to like fix your problems or try to like help some other person when you could go to your backyard and build a community with your actual neighbor? Do you know your neighbor's name? Right. Go to the desert to try to like have a spiritual awakening on some drugs. And I don't know, that's very diminishing of, I'm sure a lot of people's experience. Um, And again, depending where you are in your life, maybe it's important to have that kind of like catharsis, but then it's like you, that doesn't mean that you, like I was just seeing, I just saw a meme today about it where it was like you, so many people who do psilocybin one time or, or a couple times and then they think they suddenly have achieved the highest level of spirituality and they're totally awakened and they've left the matrix and like they suddenly understand. And it's like, no, you had like a minor epiphany. Try the rest of your life. Now you're on a healing journey. Like you're not done. Yeah. Not done. You you maybe perhaps unlocked a little hint of what it is to start with a mushroom. You, you're not done. Um, yeah. So I think that's like, like it better not be your end all be all. That's fine if that's important for your journey, you know, but, and it's fine if it's aesthetic. I appreciate aesthetic. Like I'm all for no point but just the aesthetic when it makes you happy you know (laughs) like um but if you think that you're just spiritually awakening because you went to burning man and did and you know no i don't i i think that that's a that's uh an illusion i agree i i'm not someone that's been like super into psychedelics i've tried psilocybin and it didn't do much for me. I know people that swear by ayahuasca and say it's life-changing and it completely changed their brain for the better. And kind of the idea kind of scares me. But people that really buy into that way of healing certain things tend to be drawn to Burning Man culture. And hey, you like it? I love it. If it works for you, great. But it it doesn't seem like the principles that they buy into, like this Burning Man culture that they buy into, it doesn't seem like it's something that's applied to everyday life. It, I think there is an element of escapism. Like where else in everyday life can you walk around naked and be high the whole time and refer to everyone by, you know, a made up fun whimsical burner name and dance all day and dance all night and not have to spend money for several days. It's like, you know, it's, it's not like a normal thing. Say, Philly pride, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it, it is. It's definitely escapism. I mean that, too, I mean that too, in a way, although it's also like a, I don't know, like, no, that's really different though, because it's also like a political stance. Like we're physically in a space, taking it up in a city, in a major city and saying, no, we're here too. So like the space of it kind of matters too. And it is different mm-hmm. um, because like, yeah, like what is the function of what you're doing? And also it's, <laughs> you've seen that a couple celebrities came to this last Burning Man. And as soon as there was the slightest hint of trouble, they got the fuck out of there. Like 
shelter in place who they got their helicopters and got the <laughs> hell out of there yeah they, they weren't trying to fly anybody else out or make sure any camps made it out okay they themselves got the hell out mm. so what does that say to me mm, that maybe these 10 principles are kind of bullshit because when, when push comes to shove people that are millionaires and have a shit ton of money get out when things get rough they're not trying to help anybody there yeah and uh it's funny it makes me think of that movie don't look up again and how Mm -hmm. it it was so centered on the people that were the rich white people getting out of this out of the world and the conclusion the movie was very nihilistic because it was kind of just like yeah we're completely fucked because that's all they're gonna do but it also was assuming that they were the only ones that could do anything and that really bothered me about that movie. Like it was a good movie in a lot of ways. I can't, I can't totally knock that movie. Like it did a, it did a really good job, but I did not like that. It almost ignored everybody in the world, except for these super rich people that were like trying to get off the planet and just assumed that, that meant nobody else would figure out any kind of solution or any, like, it's not like you can figure out a solution for a falling comet, which was the premise of that movie. But um, yeah. there's an entire world of people who have struggled and survived through a lot of things, mm-hmm. not just the richest people that will give up so anyway i don't know um the focus and the shallowness is just kind of of the rules is just kind of like it's it's clear it's clear when there's disaster too and i think there's surely going to be more of it just because of climate change like in years going forward but i think it's almost inevitable and and they really started as this small group so for it to grow the way it did is really hard to manage like if you've ever been responsible for a group of people or had power over any group of people in any way the larger the group, the the more basically impossible it is to not fuck up somehow mm-hmm. and, and, and hurt somebody somehow. Somebody will get hurt. So, you know, you be as responsible as you can. But uh, especially if you're just missing all of intersectionality, I think that's often a problem. Right. And also the whole, like, leave no trace. Mm. No one ever leaves a scrap of anything behind. That's That's what they say. They say that there is virtually zero crime that happens in Black Rock City. And it's like, if it's all radical self-reliance and there's there's all these checks and balances, but who's checking and balancing? Like, I, I don't understand who is who's measuring these things, who's checking these things. Where is the oversight? Who is responsible for the oversight? How do we know that these things are true, that... Things aren't as bad as they look and there's never any trash left anywhere and no one ever gets hurt at Burning Man. How do we know that's true? Well, that's a good point. And I also think like I could actually buy that there's very little or no crime there. But the reason is because it's so tied to class. You don't steal things because you just usually 99% of the time you don't steal things because you just feel like it. You do it because you really need something. Right. Well. You know, you're not doing well. And so to even get into that city, you have to be like at a certain level where I think that kind of makes sense. But you're right. Like, what's the oversight? It It's similar to like Disney. You know, nobody officially has ever died at Disney because if somebody did, they just take them off the property and then they declare them dead after they get off the property. Well, that, there you go. That's there you how you go. do it. <laughs> So it's things like that. Like who's looking at who, what is this metric? You know? Mm. I could just, I can never see myself going to Burning Man ever. Not trying to yuck anybody's yum, but absolutely not. 
I, I could see myself going, but I see why you could not. I think that it would be a risk. I think the sensory thing is a really good point. Um, Just glaring sun all day long and heat. Oh, you're right. I can't go because I have like a horrible, I have like a whole skin thing that makes me like allergic to the sun for a big part of the year because I have to be on steroids. Damn it. Yeah, it would be again. <laughs> can't go to Burning Man. No, I probably would, but I would, but I would go to Burning Man if I had a ton of money to pour into making myself comfortable going, but I don't. Right. So I probably will never go to Burning Man. <laughs> if you could glamp, then yeah. If maybe. you could glamp, then you could go. But I can't glamp. Also, showering in vinegar sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. And I just feel like I would stink the whole time. Which I guess if everybody stinks, then it's whatever. But also, that sounds terrible, too. Yeah. I don't I mean, and I just don't know what the... What's the experience? What's the reward of it? Like, you go... I mean, it could be like a social... Like a... Like, it's a social points, I guess, that you went to Burning Man because it is a huge thing and a, a big deal that a lot of people do. But you go out there and you spend your time and you do your drugs and you, you know, what do you, what do you, what does that do? Because again, I think we're kind of on a different level than people who just need to experience catharsis in their body to do a little bit of healing, which very much might be like rich people in society. Like, maybe that's their level, you know? Maybe, yeah. Like, maybe that is actually some direction forward for them. And that's maybe good. And I'm not even knocking that at all. But, like, I don't think you need that. There's a lot of questions being asked on TikTok to burners being like, why do you go? What do you get out of it? What Mm -hmm. is the big deal with Burning Man? And so many of, like, the lifer burners, the ones that go every year and will go every year forever, they say it's it's life-changing to have this kind of community sense of belonging feeling that you get when you go and you're really connected and plugged into what's happening there. You're very present. You you cannot, you don't have a choice but to be present. I mean, I guess if you're sober, I don't know. I don't presence and I don't know presence and being high. I don't, maybe that's the thing. I I I don't really, it depends on the drug. It depends on the drug. I am very, I am pro, like, I think that everybody's body experiences drugs in really different, in different ways or can. So I don't think it's ever right to, to promote that someone do a particular drug in order to fix their problem, unless it was a medical professional who said that. But I do think that there are times when people have very positive life-changing experiences on drugs, depending Mm -hmm. on the drug. And some of that can definitely involve like a new heightened sense of being aware it can also not, it can also be a trick, but, yeah. uh, like I would say psychedelics sometimes can do that for people where they're just experiencing things in a much, in a, in a way that, that feels very enhanced. And so they're much more connected because they usually were, would be dissociating. So that can happen. Yeah. It can also happen that people like lose a sense of reality and groundedness as well. And you can't really predict. So it can be scary and not worth it to even do, but Yeah, I would say there's such a thing probably as like present awareness on drugs for some people. But it's like you're going going there to do it. It's like you and I can, we we don't need to go to a desert to experience like a community. Like, you know, (laughs) like. Well, not, no, yeah, I would not. (laughs) 
yeah. I think for some people though, the the presence goes beyond just partying and dancing and doing drugs, but also like being exposed to a har- being exposed to a harsh environment for an extended period of time, working hard at a camp, serving people all day, like doing stuff there that they wouldn't normally be doing, like put, kind of putting their body and their mind through the ringer, I guess, for a week. But kind of, yeah, kind of aesthetically though, too, again, right? Like kind of cosplaying. Yeah. Maybe Maybe it is genuine, but it's temporary too. It's not something they would want to do for their lives. It's like dipping a toe into struggle. Yes. Temporary struggle for, for fun, I guess. Well, for, for, I would say for like enlightenment only, it's like a cheat. Like, it, do, it doesn't really work. It's like some. It's like somebody trying to put them... And that's the similar to why people... There's this draw for... I think people who are middle and higher class artists to have some kind of proximity to poverty and have some kind of proximity to struggle. And so then it leads to things like gentrification. So it leads to things like you are a middle class person and then you move right into the middle of the heart of a city and you're starting to push actual people out that have lived there for generations because you're driving up housing prices because you wanted to live in an area that aesthetically is beautiful because the energy is something special because the people there in the actual community for generations made it special because they struggled and they did something that was transformative. And then you just moved in on top of that and then pushed them out and kind of took it and kind of killed it. But in the meantime, you got to kind of aesthetically feel like you were a little bit proximal to the struggle. That's such a common uh, thing. That's such a that's such a drive, I think, for so many people that because you want to be an artist and you want to like express yourself. But what what story are you telling? And right. and stories come from struggle. And and uh, if you don't have your own struggle, I think it's still I think every human has some kind of struggle. But there's also ego in play of like whose is more, you know, worth talking about or whatever. And then suddenly, oh, it's it's not too hard to just take yours, make some money off of that. Or like, you know, or like aesthetically kind of adopt yours because it looks cool. I think you're right that it is kind of all a cosplay for Mm -hmm. a few days, five days, seven days. Like I'm so radically self-reliant and I've packed everything I've need I need and I can take care of myself and I I can take care of myself in my camp for five days. God forbid a national disaster happens and it goes for seven days. I'm fucked because I'm not that prepared. I was prepared to cosplay Mad Max for five days, not for seven days. <laughs> like uh I mean it's not funny, but it's like yeah, they did all the things they needed to do to cosplay a thing for a finite amount of days, which was five. Yeah, and that's different than what goes into real, like, not real, but that's different than what goes into community building when it's when it's more sustained than that. Yeah. Like, what I if think- they had to shelter in place for nine days? Then what kind of disaster would it really be when people's true colors come out and these principles fall apart? Well, exactly. And then versus when you're like, say that you were camping with your family and then instead of five days, it's nine days. No one's going to like rob you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, you have a different different level of relationship to those people. It's not as shallow. 
and it right. makes for a different kind of experience of community. It just puts a whole new spin on things like for people that have considered going well considered being stuck there longer than you plan to be yeah like what happens then I don't I mean I don't think that it seems to take that into account based on what happened this year right right and I don't think this is the first time this has happened like it's rained there during Burning Man before hasn't been as big either though like things get less sustainable the bigger they get too like that yeah like with communities too but, I mean, Burning Man does look like it looks cool. At a distance, it looks cool. <laughs> and I don't think, again, I think aesthetic is not inherently bad to desire or to have for the sake of it. I don't think there's a problem with that. I just think that there's, there is a problem with presuming that your art, which is for aesthetic, is just something beyond humanity and is something that is like not affected by subjectivity. Mm. So I don't, you know, like I don't mind just having like a pretty, pretty house or something. Like I don't think that that's, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing morally wrong with that. And in fact, it's kind of like, it's kind of like anti feminine a little bit to be like, everything needs to be practical, everything needs to be industrial. Everything mm-hmm. needs to be efficient. That's gross. So I definitely could say lean into the aesthetic, but not at the expense of like understanding, yeah. you know, this, this, what, what is actually, what's actually, what is, what is it accomplishing, especially in a case like this, where it's posturing to do something radical? What is it radically accomplishing? That's kind of what it goes back to for me. Yeah. What is it radically accomplishing? It's radically accomplishing someone making a shit ton of money. A lot of people, I guess, whoever's selling them all that stuff, the costumes, the drugs, the yeah. thing, the, the artists that go and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And drugs aren't cheap. So, I mean, is that going around for free Burning Man? I don't know. Maybe so, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Could not say. But yeah, a lot, a lot, somebody's making money. Yeah. And I, I do have questions about accessibility for disabled people that want to participate. How does that work? It seems like it would require extra money, right? Yeah. I know that they have some accessible, like I know that they have like the bathroom set up, you know, they try and, and do things like that. But yeah, I don't know. And then there's also issues of like, which camps are next to which camps. Somebody brought that up in something I was watching, like, you might have like a meditative camp in one kind of area, but then right next to it is a camp that has loud screaming, dancing or something. And usually things get zoned for that, but that might not always happen there. So sometimes there's like weird clashes of stuff that people might need. I don't know. I really don't know, but I I can just imagine that it would just be, there would be, there's so many things always that crop up because as soon as something is invisible, it crops up like, and there's so Mm -hmm. much until you know about it, that is invisible (laughs) disability so I, I can only imagine going to a desert would be very prohibitive and you it would just require a lot of extra money to compensate basically I also wonder about like public health at a place like that especially in the age of COVID like what if someone became violently ill and it was contagious like what what would the procedure be to keep everyone safe yeah. You would hope they would have procedures. I did hear that something was going around Burning Man recently. 
there's not a lot of news coverage on it, but like there are people that had Ebola like symptoms, and then that got hush hush real quick. They, I'm looking at the burningman.org uh, page for health and safety. It does say they have emergency services, medical stations with Red Crosses, and they can also go visit a hospital in Reno if they need even higher level of care. So basically, they have to take them out of the area. They can take, they can't, they did call in the National Guard, I think I heard. So they can take you by like a helicopter, I guess, if it's that bad. But yeah, I'm looking at the, but yeah, it's, and they, the, one of the first things they mentioned on the page for health and safety is remember radical self reliance. Bring a first aid kit and any medications you may need. Um, and it says the closest pharmacies are in Fernley or Reno, and there is no clinic in Gerlock. So it just seems not that accessible. So basically only go if you're able-bodied and basically, wealthy. Yeah, if you need like constant medication or something, that's on you. Unless you want to get helicoptered out of there to Reno. And, and that's if like- you can get to a place that has like phone access or Wi-Fi access or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they have a little page on here called Arrive Alive, Getting to and from Black Rock City, which itself seems like half the problem. Yeah. And I've heard that it can take up to up to 24 hours to leave. Mm -hmm. Like on the day everybody leaves, the road is so packed, so crowded. It can take a whole day. Just you're just sitting on the road in your vehicle for a day. Yeah, so that looks like a mess. And then that's not to mention if people are rushing to get out for some reason or like not acting level-headed because something's going on that they're trying to escape, you know? Yeah. Like uh, one car gets stuck in the mud. Now what? <laughs> With your traffic jam on the way out. Oh my God. I just can't even imagine. Exactly. And then are people bringing pets? Are people bringing like dogs and stuff? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Probably. Like if you have the money. <laughs> I guess. I'm looking. There's also a page for pets at Burning Man on their on their website. Uh, oh, actually, dogs are not allowed at, at the event. So that's good. That is good. It's too hot for doggos anyway. Yeah. Let's try to see if there's any sort of... Uh... Oh, good. Because, yeah, they're mentioning that the alkaline in the soil is corrosive to dogs' like noses and bellies and paws. So that's a good reason to leave your pet at home. And also fireworks and things are scary. Yeah, it doesn't mention any other animals, though, other than dogs. It says pets at Burning Man, and then the entire thing is about dogs. So I guess you could bring, like, your cat or your fish, but... (laughs) Don't bring a fish to Burning Man. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like something someone would do. Put it in your shoe. Bring your chinchilla, I guess. They like dust. My sister has a chinchilla, and he does like dust. (laughs) He's very, very cute. Chinchillas are so cute. His name is Ghostface Chilla. Oh, they're so soft. They're so soft. And you can't get them wet. They're like a gremlin. Oh. That's why they take a dust bath. Thank you for listening. Find additional content at doxtthepodcast.com.